God's faithfulness is great and amazing and wonderful. and It's always on time. And it's always right. And we can never imagine our lives as His children without His faithfulness. Because God is good. It is great to see you here this morning, both uh, members and visitors alike. We thank you for your presence. We are thankful for those who are online. Thank you for your attendance as well. Let's go to our great God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name and thank you for your amazing grace and faithfulness for sending your Son to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary that we may live. For your great blessings and magnificent gifts in Jesus, our great God who came and suffered and lived and died for us on that cruel cross of Calvary. Bless us this morning, please, as we worship you, that we will and have done all things in accordance to your will and your way, that we have brought glory and honor unto your name, that we will continue to do so throughout the remainder of this worship service. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, that be thy will. Amen. Revelation, please, chapter 20. The new heaven and earth. Well, a little bit of controversy in that one. When you hear the title, you think about the new heaven and the new earth as uh, the millennials have taught or uh, others have taught in ways that cause us to look for something uh, that maybe isn't actually in the Scriptures. So the question this morning is, what is the immediate destiny of the church amidst such a great persecution? So the contents of this apocalyptic literature, uh, this prophetic message, explains to us that the enemies of God are strong, but not strong enough. It explains to us that the enemies of God have been present, but they have lost time and time again. And the question that comes up or that arises is, what is the purpose or the need for a heaven and a new earth? Revelation 20, beginning at verse 10, the Bible says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. Well, figuratively speaking, heaven and earth is now gone. And so there's a need for another. Chapter 21 in verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. There's one thing to get rid of Satan, to destroy Satan and the beast, if you will. The sea beast and the earth beast. The three enemies of God in the Bible. But then they'll come back. Unless you create all things new. You see, the sea was the abyss, the reservoir out of which the beast arose and supported the harlot. 
So, to remove the sea beast, the dragon, and the earth beast isn't good enough. Rather, what God does is God not only removes the three enemies mentioned in the book of Revelation, but He also removes the sea. Because that's where the beast came from. So, without the sea... And without the world, this new world order would be void of this persecution that has come upon the early church. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at the context of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. We'll begin at verse 1. And there the Bible says, After I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of God on their foreheads. And so... There is a harming of the sea that's coming, but not yet. Chapter 12 and verse 12. The Bible says, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Woe to the earth. Woe to the sea. Because Satan's coming out of the earth and out of the sea. Chapter 13. Chapter 13. Remember, this is figurative language. Chapter 13 in verse 1. The Bible says, And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who was able to wage war with him? It is so critical that we stay within the context of the book. Chapter 17 and verse 1. I think you kind of can see over and over again, up out of the sea came the beast. 17 and verse 1. And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I shall show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. And all throughout the scriptures you find that the waters are turbulent like the earth, you know, like life. Life goes up and life goes down. And so, so when you think of evil, you think of the turbulence of the sea. That's from the Old Testament into the New. But not just the sea. Remember, the earth beast must go away as well. Back to chapter 13. Back to chapter 13, verse 11 and verse 12. To remove the sea is the same as removing Rome, the great persecutors of the Lord's church. Verse 11. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and makes the earth and those who dwell in it 
to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. You see, when God says, back to Revelation 21, that I'm making a new heaven and a new earth, God is showing us, showing the recipients of the letter of the book that is removing all the persecutors that have come up against God's people. And so I'm making all things new. The persecution will be no more. Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. It came down, the new city, the new Jerusalem, the holy city, came down out of heaven. God has protected it. God has protected his people yet again through all their problems and through all their struggles. And verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. Now, here's what we have to recognize. We're not talking about heaven, right? I, I know, it, they, they sound great. The scriptures are wonderful when you think about the idea of heaven and wiping away every tear and, and all the things the Bible says, but it's not talking about heaven. Figuratively, it is speaking specifically about the church. Let me show you the difference. One of the differences is this. Heaven came down. But brethren, we're supposed to go up, Right? You see, and, and so, so First Thessalonians uh, chapter four makes it clear as to what's going to happen at the end of time. Not that heaven is coming down, and then, and then, you know, rather we're going up, right, to be with God forever. Chapter four of First Thessalonians in verse thirteen. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who are asleep or have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. So this city comes down. But in the end we go up. So again we were talking about figurative language. What happens sometimes in the book of Revelation is we forget that we're talking about figurative language and symbolic language, apocalyptic literature. And we start making everything literal and then we get into trouble. But leave it in context. And when we leave it in context, we understand the Bible is making a point. He's talking about a state of affairs. Here's a situation the church is going through. There's a persecution. There are struggles. And those struggles and that persecution will go away by the power and the might of God. Turn back to Exodus for just a moment. 
chapter 40. I want to show you, uh, just, just so we're always remembering, when you read the book of Revelation, you got to know your Old Testament book. God is giving us symbols or information, should I say, reminding us, reminding the reader of the book, the recipients of the book, of things that he's already said and that he's already done, that he's already taught us, that we've already witnessed that we've seen time and time again that the enemies of God rise up and they're strong, but they lose and are destroyed by the hand of God. Exodus 40 and verse 34. Look at the tabernacle coming down or the, or the blessing of God coming down and filling the tabernacle, should I say. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But the cloud was not taken up. Then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day. And there was field, excuse me, fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. And you remember also when, when Solomon prayed and dedicated the temple and the glory of God filled the temple. You see, it's something that God is showing us and has, has witnessed, if you will, for us throughout the scriptures. Back to Revelation, please, chapter, chapter 21. To remind us, he's reminding the recipients of the book. The children of God who are being persecuted by Rome. He is reminding them that God's glory is wonderful. And that the power of God prevails time and time again. Revelation 21 in verse 1. The new Jerusalem comes down. The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. The beast that came out of the sea, the beast came out of the earth is no more. God and his city out of heaven, this new city, this divine city comes from God. So this chapter again is not talking about heaven. It's talking about a new order of things. The persecution that was will no longer be. In the text we're speaking of a blessing from our God. In verse 4, verse 4, listen to verse 4. Here's where we get into trouble. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall no longer be any death. And there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. For the first things have passed away. People say, see, that has to be heaven. Where else could that possibly be? But remember, I remind you to stay within the context of the Scriptures. Death will no longer be. But how? 
So the persecution was against the church. And that persecution will no longer be there is what the text is saying. The beheading, the burning, the amazing, just wicked persecution. The church is victorious. No more crying. No more pain. Because the first things are gone. Those are the first things. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. I want to take you back to Isaiah chapter 25. Because I want us to gain an understanding and just a reminder that there's a new order of things. God is not saying that man will not cry or or have suffering in this world. God is talking about Rome, and he's speaking of the fact that Rome will be no more. The new environment, the new order has been set up by God. God will, as he always have, he will take care of his people. So the teaching is consistent with the Old Testament teaching. Isaiah 24. Isaiah 24 speaks of this, that the judgment of God to come upon the world even in a, in a great and amazing tribulation, that in this judgment or during this time, that men and women who trust in God win. They praise God in the midst of their tribulation. And even in the midst of their great tribulation, they praise God because God is victorious. So in chapter 25, we read in verse 6, And the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined and aged wine. And on this mountain he will swallow up the coverings which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. And he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God, for whom we have awaited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. So when someone says, wait a minute, if you're talking about a new heaven and no more tears, and God wiping away tear, uh, tears from the eyes. And it's right here in the book of Isaiah. He wasn't talking about heaven there. It, you got to go back to your old book and find and follow the context. There's a great persecution. And now the persecution is gone. There's a great persecution. And now the persecution is gone. There's a first thing. And then there's a second. There are the first things. And then there are the second things. There's the old earth. And there's a new earth. There's the old heaven. And there's the new heaven. All throughout the scriptures, God is showing us a change of affairs. The encouragement in the book of Revelation is just incredible. Where God is showing his people time and time again that we win. And it may look like, it may appear as if the church is losing. The church has already won because of God. I know you say, preacher, that, I mean, that sounds good, but that's, 
That's not enough. I know. So let's look at some more. Isaiah, while we're there. Chapter 65. I want to show you now through, through Isaiah's message, the messianic prophecy, uh, during the times of Assyria and Babylon, through Isaiah's message, that Isaiah is telling us and talking about a new state of affairs as well. The old earth and the new. The old heaven and the new. Those old tears, if you will. The old tears and the new. God is wiping away all the tears from the eyes of His people because of the victory that we shall gain through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Isaiah 65 and verse 15. And you will leave your name for a curse to my chosen ones. And the Lord God will slay you, but my servants will be called by another name. Because he who is blessed in the earth shall be blessed by the God of truth. And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hidden from my sight. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I also will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. So what is God saying? It's right here in the text. When he says a new heaven and a new earth, he's saying the old stuff that you think of, Rome, will be no more. You won't remember it. How many of you remember the persecution of Rome? How long do you think after Rome fell, the church members remembered the persecution of Rome, the martyrdom, the execution, the wickedness, the evil? How many of you think about the intensity of the pressure that Rome put on the people of God? How many of us can be, can be reminded of this without reading this book of Revelation, without digging deep into Roman history? Not many. For the old things are gone, brethren. The first things have passed away. I'm going to read to you verse 17 again. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. This is what God is speaking of. These terrible times will go away, and you won't remember them anymore. Isaiah chapter 66, beginning at verse 22. For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. And it shall be from new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they shall go forth and look on the corpse of men who have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, and their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all mankind. So an abhorrence to all mankind? The new heaven and the new earth. Back to Revelation, please, chapter 21. So these passages show us that there was a great persecution. But in the new order, it's, it's gone. It, it is no more. It's a vision 
Keep in mind, it's, it's a vision. The unrighteous man's world is destroyed, so God makes a new one for the saints. Verse 1, chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. The people of God are blessed against those who cursed them, who persecuted them. Look down in verse 6 now. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the springs of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. It's exactly what Jesus spoke of. If you come to me, John 4, John 11, I will give you water, the waters of the springs of life, living water, if you'll come to me. That same invitation is to God's people today. If you will come to me, I will give you the springs of the water of life, living water. And, and the Bible is teaching us, if you drink this water, though you die, you will live. Or if you drink this water, you will never die. The idea is you'll be with God forever. And we do that by coming by faith, hearing his word. Right? We hear his word. Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we believe that word. You know, you hear it and you have to make a decision. Well, do I want to believe it or not? Right? John eight twenty four. Unless you believe that I'm here, sins. And then you have to make a decision. I've heard it and I believe it. Now I've got to do something about it. So I repent. I have godly sorrow. Acts seventeen thirty. God in former days winked at ignorance, but now today is declaring that all men come to repentance. Right? Alright, so now I've heard it and I've believed it and I'm ready to change my life. Thank you God. But now you've got to confess. Not your sins. You confess His name before humanity. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me, I will deny you. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And then be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And the like figure, though, baptism also now save you. It's not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but it's an appeal to God for a clear conscience of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism now saves even to this day. It's a removal, a washing away of our sins. And it is participation in the first resurrection. We read that last week. For those who refuse to come to God. See, the new earth and the new heaven. Verse 8. The Bible says, But for the cowardly and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So the message from God is, we win. 
<laughs> That's just it. Every time you read the book of Revelation, you just have to remember, night came, we win. We are carried away off into victory. Everything that you are doing for Christ is valuable. Is worth your soul. Is a blessing. Is a gift. Is something you don't ever want to stop doing. Serve God until the day you leave the earth, brethren. And in the end, as right now in this present time, we win. We win. God bless you. The lesson is yours. And I pray something was said to help encourage you and stimulate your mind by way of reminder to continue to fear God, to serve Him. And if you have not surrendered to God, we encourage you to come to God today. In a moment, we'll stand and sing a song of invitation. If we can help in any way, we ask at that time that you will come.